Hello, welcome to episode three of the In Deep Poetry podcast. podcast. Yeah, nice. nice. Yeah. That felt like the real real thing that we do in the real In Deep, man. Yeah, that's yeah. just what we'll do from now on, shall we? We've not got a... We've not got a thing. We've yeah, thing that can yet. be our first thing. Welcome to the In Deep Poetry, Poetry podcast. podcast. Yeah, yeah so yeah. it feels definitive. <laughs> nice, yeah, I'm into yeah. it. I'm right. into it. <laughs> okay, so this week... Are we just doing a regular old-fashioned indeed? I don't think we are. <laughs> oh, no. here we go. We're getting in touch with things. Yeah, Specifically, nature. yeah, nature. Nice, nice. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> As you can hear in the background, we've got that stream. We're in Pollock Park right now. Yeah. Yep. This is a great tree that we found ourselves under. Mm-hmm. Is yep. this oak? Mm. Possibly Scots pine. Yes, definitely. Yeah, uh-huh. Feel that texture. Yeah, oh. Mm, yeah, that's yeah. Scott's pain. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can hear uh, a misbehaving dog in the in the background. <laughs> um, yeah, we're doing a book launch for our new book, the Edwin Morgan Centenary Collection. Nice. Yeah, uh-huh, which has got lots of great poets in it. Um, it's, um, should we just do the, do the spiel? You ready? Yeah, give us a bit of a spiel. Right, okay. So, um... We've invited 40 poets to come along and do a reading by this stream. It's not a live stream. This stream is pre-recorded. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's right. Uh Yeah, totally, (laughs) right? Um, This is an online podcast book launch as part of the Edwin Morgan Centenary. Um, Edwin Morgan was the first Glasgow Poet Laureate and the 27th of April would have been his 100th birthday. Before he published his first collection of poetry, Edward Morgan made a series of visually arresting... Visually... Visually arresting... <laughs> arresting everyone at a vigil. <laughs> Put down those candles! <laughs> he made some scrapbooks that were a queer visual diary, a catalogue of images, and a struck surreal bricolage. The scrapbooks were a resource and a testing ground as Morgan developed his distinctive, experimental and anti-orthodox poetics. Speculative Books, that's us, have teamed up with the Edward Morgan Foundation and Glasgow University to bring you the centenary collection, a collection inspired by those scrapbooks. Colin Hurd is the head of creative writing at Glasgow and he held workshops based around the scrapbooks and was also the editor of the collection. Um, so that book, the Edwin Morgan Centenary Collection, is now available from Speculative Books. And if you're a subscriber to Speculative Books, you should already have it. There you go. So you can join in with this online book launch at home from yeah. isolation. Like read along as you're listening to them. Yeah, you could if you wanted. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. So um, the, most of the people that are in this podcast, are in, well, all the people that are in this podcast are in the book. Most of the people that are in the book are also in the podcast. Um, we'd like to thank the Edward Morgan Foundation for contacting us. Thank you to all the contributors who um, put something in, came along to the workshops, had a look at Glasgow University, um, at the scrapbooks. And thank you to Colin Hurd for putting together such an excellent collection. And of course, thank you to... Edwin, Edwin Morgan. Morgan! Yeah, yeah. man! <laughs> and happy birthday. <laughs> happy it's, birthday, it's big man. his 100th birthday. Can you believe it? The original yeah. Glasgow Poet Laureate. Yeah, and that's us. Um, I hope you enjoy the podcast by the stream in Pollock Park. Is there anything you'd like to, to add this week? Um, no. No, I feel I feel like our, our podcasts are getting more relaxing by the, yeah. by the cast, man. <laughs> Next week, we're just going to be cast. asleep. <laughs> 
the next month even, right? Maybe a sleep in there. Ah, definitely. We should also think about a, a schedule for our podcast. We've been fairly sporadic. Yeah, I think we should keep this in as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, are we passing it over? Is Colin Hurd about to say something? Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah, so, so we should do a little... A little introduction for Colin Hurd. I can't, we already have, kind of, but um, a big thank you to Colin um, for all his hard work on this collection and everything he's done. Everything he constantly is doing for poetry in Glasgow, just in general, is a fantastic guy. So, Good guy. Yes, uh-huh. we'll hand it over to Colin Hurd. I hope you enjoy the poetry podcast book launch. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Colin Hurd. Colin Hurd. So this anthology is a celebration of Edwin Morgan's centenary, but we also wanted it to be a celebration of Edwin Morgan's generosity, variousness and openness as a creative artist. I fell in love with Morgan's poetry as a teenager for exactly those qualities. Morgan's scrapbooks, which are housed in the University of Glasgow's special collections, show an incredible eagerness and curiosity to the world. It's many languages, it's many beings. We talk a lot these days of the more than human world, but Morgan's poetics are way ahead of us. From artifice and architecture to beavers and bodybuilders, from cobras and country dancing, to dinosaur bones and decorative squiggles, from extraterrestrials to eardrums, Morgan's roving poetics destabilizes boundaries with an abandonment and migratory zeal. Our invitation was simple. Look at the scrapbooks and respond in any way you choose. We wanted to keep it open because we wanted writers to have the same liberty that Morgan writes about in his poem, The Release, the scaffolding has gone. The sky is there. Thankfully, as you will hear, writers from all over Scotland and beyond picked up the invitation and ran in directions and in get-ups we could never have imagined. Short stories, visual works and poems of all possible shapes. I hope that this anthology we've put together is as diverse, open and curious about language as Morgan's own writing. As he compelled us to in the poem Gasometer, listen, you're in for a treat. Prologue. Imagine they could cut open your mind, slice it paper thin, number and bind each page to stack among the dusty tomes, waiting for some gentle hand, to come and prize it open just so tenderly, long after you are gone. Letting loose angels and demons, setting virgins and every prisoner free, as Adam, running naked from paradise, speaks in tongues, lifts his voice in songs of innocence. Still life, second life, afterlife. An amazing experiment, this heart that beats like a mountain. Every page a mountain, a rhinoceros horn polished into precision steel tubes. My heart laid bare into Linnaeus' latent cormeum, like a still life, like a hanged man, breathing again, beating again with a second life. Two minutes of resurrection, then an ascension stopped short, like bread burnt hard. Can We Go Down by Katie Veach Throw a stone on a lake and it skips, 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 skips. On a wall it breaks, 
On a beach, it disappears. On a body, it hurts. But in time, it is stuck. In space, it can move, but in time, stuck. And we never ask where it came from or if it can end. How many people have seen it and what have they seen? Did they tell someone or do something or take it with them? And will it be used? Will it be part of something? Will it ever be new? She picked this one out of millions. Maybe only a few thousand fit in her hand. Maybe only half weren't home to little creatures. Maybe she thought about her colour scheme and the tones. About the picture it would frame. But she picked this one. And did she know where it had been and what it would be to me? The Washerwoman by Leslie Kapitanchik. Oh, you wouldn't believe the more in enough head. Folk rushing in and out, nah, shouting and panicky, looking for weapons and bits of armour. And they expect me to ken what it is. Shouting in my face, even though most of the time they look through me like I'm a ghost. Ah, you ken something's gone wrong from the gentry are speaking to the old biddy that washes their clays for them. Stupid buggers. Flashing a boot about who'd been speaking to. I mean, I told them. I keep myself to myself. I didn't gossip. But they'll look at you with those friends. Aye, you think if you'd hear that silver and all those castles, you'd be a bit happier. I mean, King Duncan. He had his faults, and I ken he was worried about the Norse invading and that traitor, but he was high up polite when he spoke. But nowadays, Lord, she can't even hear a banquet without the king seeing visions. Visions, aye. Even the queen suggested he'd taken a little too much mead beforehand. Still, it was a good nicht in the kitchen. I never tasted meat so fine, and the meat slipped down your throat till you were Uncle Mary. It was nae fine the next day, mind, down by the freezing shore of the burn. That was nae pleasant. Sitting amongst the frozen grass, trying to dry those clutes for the night before, the clear water turning reed as it flowed into the sea A night went by on his horse, and fair pale he turned when he saw me. He didn't speak, but I could see him staring at the water. Aye, it's an unca sight for a cold morning, I said to him. Conversational like, because you hate to be careful. Aye, a woman of my age, my job, we can easily be mistaken for something else. That's why I've never had a cat. You can say one wrong thing, and afore you know it, you're up in front of the magistrate. And he kens you're guilty afore you even speak. All he wants you to do is to name others. So I find it easiest to keep myself to myself. That is true, he replies, grand like. Ah, he is to watch too. What he says may be written down by some scribe, so he has to get it right. His horse snorts with impatience. I feel sorry for the brute. The eye look fed up. They've got to carry some muckle brute around with him, who winna let them just do as they please. And it can't be pleasant hearing that wee bit of metal in your moo, hitting your gums if you didn't went to head towards ah those men holding pikes and daggers and claymores. The water. Sir, I just do as I'm telt. But I can ken, I can assure you, it's not me, sir. The water turns red. The owl turns on the falcon. It is dark when it should be light. I didn't want to interrupt him, but it's a dark at this time of year. Maybe spend a bit too much time in that holy land for there's mere sun. I didn't ken. 
A lot of the young men like to go out there nowadays to do whatever young men need to do to get it out of their systems. They say they're called by God, but I didn't get why a God would be wanting people to be fighting over his own land. Can't he say anything? Or they'll just hear you in the jail and strung up as soon as look at you. So I nod. And he smiles grimly. You are wise, old woman. You will have your reward. Aye, so I will. In heaven, because it'll need be here. So he gallops back towards Burnham, and I heft my washing back in my basket and carry it up to the castle. Any horses for us that really needs it. When I'm getting in, one of the soldier billies comes up to me. What was that you were speaking to? I ken what I want to say, but it wouldn't be a good idea. So I just shrug. Oh, just some soldier billy. And you rode back towards the woods. Well, what a commotion that stirred up. You're not to leave the castle without permission again, he shouts. Then he goes clattering up the stairs. There'll be mere noise when they realise they've got... They'll need to get their clothes washed and I can't get out to the burn. Men never think of things like that. I do. So I lay out my laundry in the yard, only for some other soldier billy to yell in my face to move it as they need to muster an army. I will. <laughs> They'll need, need much room. The thanes haven't been so quick to throw in their lot with the maester since they saw what happened to the thane of Fife's family. I think that nae bugger would have been coarse enough to kill a wife and her bairns, but somebody was. And then Banco and his son. Oh, that was awful. His son had just turned 12 too. Hunting in the woods. Why, it just shows you that nowhere is safe nowadays. I don't think much of the ones who remain. I tried to pick up my cleats, but they just let their horses gallop in and tramp onto the glure. The horses snort and chomp, clouds of steam rising from their flocks, and their maester's armour glints in the sunlight. And all I can think of is how am I going to get it when there's no clean sheets for their beds. Still nothing to do, new bit watch. And I'm no too keen to go and tell Cookie what happened till I hate it. And then he enters. Oh, mighty. How fair age is a person. I remember when he was in a handsome man, tall and fair. Now he looks old and troubled. Something in his mind reminds him of that young thing and he straightens his back. And he speaks out in that ringing tone that does something to your blood. By the end of it, I want to fight too. But I'll be mere needed here. I can see someone beckoning to me. It's Elsie. I sneak round the cart edge of the yard. It's not easy getting past all those muckle beasts. I hate to dodge a few polished hooves. My shoes and my dress are covered in glare by the time it gets to the door. I get to the door. Yes, Mr. Scott? What are you doing out here? You're needing the mistress's chamber. Get in. She grabs me roughly and pulls me up the stairs towards the lady's chamber. Hi, I ken what I'll find, and I didn't want to go. I've seen too much of that the last few months. I try to resist it, but she grips my wrist tighter. You hate to go. Poem. I want to be at least as alive as the vulgar. My heart, Frank O'Hara. 11.22 a.m., cafe, earth, morning churns, at the back of my neck, chanting vulgarity, 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 like a mantra, like a safe word, like a counterspell, like a pulse, 
like the thing you say on the way to the shop and then louder later when you forgot it again like the name of your tinder date before walking into the pub like self-affirmations from self-help books like a prayer like a person reading a poem like a parrot green planet i don't think you take my relationship to green seriously don't you keep my history in mind i suppose i don't really ask you about your scars rivers running across the world of your arms while i float in my own galaxy of freckles i am drowning in the breath of trees you insist that everything is as it's always been but i'm busy counting leaves Mr. David Kennedy, aged 20. One of the most successful students of his year at Aberdeen has been found with his throat cut by his own hand in his bed. The recent loss of an intimate school friend, fellow lodger, and constant companion, a scholar of Oxford who died a few days ago at Bond on the Rhine through bathing, may perhaps have induced suicidal mania. The Leeds Mercury and the Times, July 26 and 27, 1883. One. Later, other terms will be used. Bent, sissy, poofter, pansy, a little bit funny, funny. The first car won't cruise Springburn Park for 13 years. 50 till Kirk Newton's airmen toss the inaugural baseball. How clean a Highland boy buffs his sole pair of brogans. So how can he have some sugar in his tank, bat for the wrong team, be a little light in the loafers, when Judy Garland has yet to grace the silver screen? Can't be a friend of Dorothy, can't really feel out any friends at all. Save the Magdalene lad. Wait for the occasionally bi-weekly tidings tucked in crisp envelopes. Tear through penny blacks and swiftly write back. In lecture today, we studied the taxonomy of Lessler's bat, its peculiar manner, arching westward across the minch and somehow winging back to roosts 1,000 strong. Curious scholars grasping in the dark. How winged monsters just know. Fruitless to codify deviants, their basic nature still unsettles all that blood sucking. Two. Later, other names will be reclaimed. Fruit, batty boy, fairy, flit, queer, Queer. The next century Queen's Revolt, Dyke's flood for five days in 69, when liberation's front line captures a freakish potency. How to bottle up words, strike a flame, oppose it all. So fresh language fills that hole in the right ear, your dolly old eek, rear pockets with blue hankies, where Liza Minnelli belting Maybe this time, on barroom stages, can be a bloke in fake Chanel, can really knock out any number at all. 
open the wimpish glossaries, glissando across the novel terms now thrust between the lines of familiar phrases. Underline, embolden in black, and hungrily circle back. Gossy, adjective, Scotland and North England, of people, interesting in appearance and well-dressed, and Gayatri, noun, Hinduism, Vedic mantra expressing hope for enlightenment. Oral traditions fail in heavy silence. How the learned keep in touch. Fruitful to bear in mind that men of letters still came so far too late. Three. Later, other books will be written. And the band played on. Orlando, the pious dance. Death in Venice, Italian masculinity as queer melodrama. Melodrama. His fellow lodger won't rouse, plunged deep in a river kip. Nowhere to post a final letter. How easily crimson ink streams down reams of white sheets. Amoeba in Motion by Big Horn. Under the microscope, an amoeba in motion resembles the Big Bang. Which could be how it all starts, when this single-celled organism, one morning, yawns and stretches its pseudopods, feels good about the day at hand, and with a throb of pent-up energy, explodes. To end essential interpretation, end the stress of an old machine, the exit world, to stress a world in a machine, end and interpret, to end the existential stress, end of existential interpretation, to interpret in the pre-machine, to end the stress of an existential world in the interpretation of a machine. Yellow is the brightest colour of sand, mustard, sunlight, doubtless dandelions, canaries, too dizzy yellow of pollen-drunk bees, a cloud of clouded yellows flutter by your pages past derelict railway lines and rowdy suburban grassland, gorse, balms, a hot summer's day, all dense hairy spines, sulfurous and sharp, non-conformist. Silence is golden, not yellow. Yellowed fingers from too many cigarettes, the ones before the one cigarette look. There's one in Frank Auerbach's hand, paint splashed from yesterday's old. Joy and death go head to head, whilst outside the eye yellow hovers, colourblind. We just can't see it. It's there, though, in between red and green, and you trust the feel of it beneath the fingers of Rosa Kuleshova, beneath the fingers of Gustav Arvai as they read a newspaper blindfolded, in silence with arm outstretched. The sensory and visual all mixed up, just like your scrapbooks, slowing down breath of apples so they last a little longer, preserving bruised hands of golden seven-stone, seven-pounds, Wattie Stewart, teenage boxer, though not far from 
I kilted Cassius Clay, stinging like a bee whilst he spars so confidently. And, well now, the hand of German Titoff on the telephone to Mr. Khrushchev, a buttered floating fly mid-sentence as man in suit hugs hippopotamus, and hand-held owl of Picasso says nothing. No need. All hierarchy undone in a state of yellow. Hello, my name is Estelle Price. Lydia Lopakova was a Russian ballerina who led an exotic life after she left her homeland. In 1919, she was in London when Picasso came to design sets for the Ballet Russe. He drew a delicate portrait of her, which appears in Scrapbook 12. It struck me as being quite a contrast to Picasso's many portraits of his wives and lovers and worthy of a poem. Lydia went on to marry the economist Maynard Keynes and was on the edge of the Bloomsbury Group. She was painted by many other celebrated artists, such as Augustus John, Laura Knight and Duncan Grant. Here is my poem. Portraits of Lydia Lopakova For Duncan, she wears a blue silk frock, unsmiling, turns her neck like a swan towards an unseen mate. For Laura, who sets up studio in her dressing room, she does not pose at all, is painted in softest pink, legs crossed as she leans in to tie her shoe. For Augustus, she is made to stand, all satin and white net, for hours as he plays with her feet, her arms, her ballerina's torso, on an unfinished canvas. And for Picasso whose women are curvaceous or angular, blue or grey, who sometimes wear hats, who always know hurt, whose black pupils are jagged with desire or disappointment. Pablo, he takes a pencil, sketches Lydia in monochrome, her face as if at prayer, body shrouded, sex for once of no interest to him. Thank you. Space Coral, one and two. I was constructed of alabaster plaster, made of sediment deposits of sound matter, each strip memories heavy with the whole wholeness of their lot, all of the joy heavy with sadness, anger, frustration, part of me, part of the sea, memories of the sea in the space of the sea, memory of the sea made of the sun, so maybe this is why it hurts, why it hurts, tearing you off, ripping you off, the memory, the ones made for myself, the memories of you, made for you, made for myself, made of the sea, made for me. Terraforming. As one sun sets, another rises, sprinklers whisper a cool refrain, Lucent pinks suffuse the skies, cirrus curls drift without promise of rain. Sprinklers whisper a cool refrain, green pools brim over the rusted land, cirrus curls drift without promise of rain, little by little oases expand. Green pools brim over the rusted land, meadows thrum with mechanical bees, 
Little by little, oases expand, an instrument purrs as it tastes the breeze. Meadows thrum with mechanical bees, calibrations adjust each cryo cocoon, an instrument purrs as it tastes the breeze, vents sigh over the dreamless commune. Calibrations adjust each cryo cocoon as one sun sets and another rises, vents sigh over the dreamless commune, lucent pinks suffuse the skies. W.S. Graham, Wednesday, 29 September, 1954. Sidney Graham confronts himself across your scrapbook pages. His nose is straight, but otherwise he might be a Hollywood prize fighter, rugged and loose. His big engineer's hand making a semi-cocked fist. His dark hair tousled, rakish, broad shoulders squared. And between Sydney's two profiles, that myrtle-scented encounter on the curlew-haunted moor above the dazzling firth. A fond deed, a wordless exchange of sweet breath on an all but windless day. Was Loch Tom that still loch? Is it possible he met you halfway? My name is R.A. Davis. Uh, my contribution to the anthology came about through looking at Edwin Morgan's scrapbooks and noticing a recurring symbol, a wee spiral, which you see again and again throughout the scrapbooks. And because everything in the scrapbooks is so deliberate, you know it's not just a doodle to fill space. Uh, to me, it's a visual pun on Edwin Morgan's name. To and Eddie. A young man's pen swells a whirlpool in the margins, beside his scraps, beside a dictionary definition of eddy, verb, to move in an eddy or eddies, said properly of water and objects born on water, also of air, vapour, etc. And his cuttings unfurl, out beyond boyhood solipsism. Yes, it is solipsistic. It's nineteen-something, and you are Scottish and in love with men. One might have thought one was alone in the universe. But no, here you are in the correct cosmos, already. Connections, constellations, galaxies, eddy. You will live in them, even after you go, and belong to Earth, dear old Earth, as she belongs to a happier year. Until then, you cut and paste and snip and stick and stick around. The world can't wait to see you, Eddie. Nascency by Shirley Bell. Tight. Tensed. Alpha. Mineral. Dense. Robust. Inception then thrust, prehensile, disintegrate, accelerate, expansion. Here we go, here we go. Ether, light bath, pulse, exalts, 
glitter, gravity, spectrum, frequency, to life, atom, body, rapture, conscious, eyeball, transfusion, cellular, crepuscular, breathe. Imagine, trauma, conclusion, explosion, fragment, instinct, trajectory, cut, curl, concept, penetrate, piston, advancement, don't be scared, tectonic, triumph, industry, dominance, economy, momentum, to life, elliptic, ovary, hurricane, ectopic, sanctify, nameless, night, never-ending, never, never-ending, to us, blood, to us, blood, okra, love, obliterate, dissonance, go on, don't look back, plummet, pillars, pillars of smoke, of salt, silence, inflicted, bodies, so beautiful, so tarnished, so beautiful, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Climate change, Europe after the rain, reflection and scrapbook, page 873. Foresee our future on a tortured planet, species extinct through us who live upon it. Our ancestors with scant regard for nature, accumulated wealth by manufacture. The life I had in childhood was quite frugal. No chance my problems would be solved by Google. Walk to school, drink water from the tap. School dinners, slops sent to the piggery and vats. Today we all can vote, not those with property. That doesn't stop some bairns enduring poverty. Clean water flows through every tap to you. With roads and bridges, for the moment healthcare too. Make changes now. Is it really so hard to wear out each possession before discard? Respect this world. Some already know the way. To survive, take only what you need today. Edwin Morgan, blind. Almost unconscionably sweet is that voice in the city street. Her fingers skim the leaves of braille, 
She sings as if she could not fail to activate each sullen mind and make the country of the blind unroll among the traffic fumes with its white stick in lonely rooms. Even if she had had no words, unsentimental as a bird's, her song would rise in spirals through the dust and gloom to make it true that when we see such fortitude, though she cannot, the day is good. Nula Watt, The Blind Poem A con is that city, leaves as if she could teach tactile, and of the fumes, lonely sentient words, same old spirals loom, the day is. Attraction by Mary Jack A simple sketch caught Edwin's eagle eye Picasso pencil pins his dancing prey, the Lopakova, in perpetual motion, stilled to serenity for posterity. As Pablo and surrealism fired his mind, has Edwin lit on Lopi as a muse, a tiny Russian darling of the Tsar, captured on canvas by Augustus John and Moore, adored in Ballyrus, but not the Bloomsbury lot, and yet inspired the writing of Virginia Woolf. Did Edwin applaud determination, admiration of the combination frailty and strength? Tip-tapping her allegros out of poverty, pirouetting her vortex to high society, he was, perhaps, taken with the crude and rude language and antics her balladomains implored. Or could it be that seducing Maynard Keynes from his male lover she double-scored. More likely for Edwin, the essence of this comic ballerina was captured in a few swift strokes of genius. The opposite page. I see myself in you, reflected. How I hope to be, how I think I might already be, on some level, quiet thought to myself. Grains sidestepped, chewed to bits, sweeping husks to the side, freely saying how they saw the world. As we live as ourselves in this shadow and splendour. Thought end of world had come. We laughed over the spilt milk, flooding the misty glass of the shelf in the fridge. We left it to mould and went to listen to the rain, pummeling the dirty glass, pleading to be let in, but uninvited. Only us in this toasty world. A moustache of milk framing your peachy lips. As the rain batters the panes and the milk goes off, I hold you close, pressed against my belly. I never could stomach milk. Outside, the building works smell like poppers. Inside the lift, hiccups. In terms of skin, sexuality is pulling fingers into latex gloves and turning a page. Thick, even in this very clean place. My taste in men is arms outstretched, contrapostoed. Text can't describe these young men lying in the shade of an eroding ice cliff. Let the cloud come across my face. Clouds for the men too. In the middle of my body, you hand me a map, arms outstretched. 
The map is only coiled springs, drawn in blue and pink, no exits. I explain I'm willing to do anything. You slice me with a hair. This view goes all the way around. I can't get the poppers out of my nose. A tightly wound bandage unravels and the view is printed on the inside. I use this for my cut, just acquired. In the bathroom mirror, you recognise the total glut of my throat. Hands slip, books uncrossing like legs. Nebulosity makes my body scream, fabulosity. Stars in the Auriga constellation have eclipsing binaries. Then again, it is estimated that half of all stars are just binaries. You might think a star either is or isn't, but it also flickers, also folds into bad poetry about stars. Pass me the poppers. This dance floor smells too much like pages. Climate conversation. We're going to have to turn off the lights. We'll be short of energy. Our lives will be different and simpler. So she turned to look at him and turned off the light. Peter is going for a walk. He is in quite the mood. Earlier this week, he thought the end of the world had come. Fucking artificial intelligence. What's that? Bloody robots. They think bloody robots can make bricks just like us. Yes, a walk is what he needs right now. That and there's no milk in the fridge. He puts on a raincoat because it's pissing down outside. It's Scotland. It's always pissing down. On the street, Peter notices it's decidedly quiet. It's a weekday and the neighborhood kids are all at school as they should be. Most adults are at work except him. It's the first time in 30 years that he has not been at work on a Tuesday. He notices how his wee neighborhood has changed during those 30 years of constant laboring. What once was granite brick after granite brick house is now all glass, steel, and solar panels. Solar panels in Edinburgh. It's really laughable, he thinks to himself. Where's the sunshine, pal? Midway down the street, Peter notices the rain has stopped. Maybe his luck is changing. Still, he keeps the raincoat on just in case. You can never be too sure. April showers bring May flowers, as the adage goes. All of a sudden, he remembers that it is midweek and panics that he is not at work and then recalls why that is. Fucking robots. And just like that, his mood has returned sour once more. Peter was given this Tuesday off and all the other days over the next two weeks because of a minor meltdown over his new work colleagues. It was all a bit of a misunderstanding. Robots. What do you mean we're getting fucking robots for the factory floor? Peter, just relax a bit, pal. It's just the company future-proofing itself. Future-proofing against bloody what? It happened across many industries, Peter. How are you meant to work with a robot? Can they even communicate with you? How do you mean, Peter? Won't it just be excuse me? He did that robot dance for extra emphasis, although it was not appreciated. Everyone on the factory floor just looked at him as if his mouth had gone rabidly foamy and his eyes were as red as the scary depictions of Satan himself. He knew he had pushed it, but he never could help himself. How could he when he was that worked up? Robots. 
It was enough when we had to be worried about bloody immigrants, but now fucking robots. At least those Polskis were alright, lads, but fucking robots. Peter, how about you take the rest of the week off, and even stay home next week if you need? Peter was perplexed by this request from his floor manager. He had never taken a vacation in his entire 30 years of working for them, except of course Christmas and Easter, which he was required to take by law, thanks to an overly involved government from centuries past. Stay home for two whole weeks. That way you can relax a bit, and then return when you're in a better state. I promise this won't go on your record as long as you agree to take some time off. Doesn't seem I have much of a choice now. I'm glad you understand, Peter. Let's talk again once you're back. Relax. It's just the future. Relax. It's just the way things are going. Industrial revolution. The human race survived that, and it was well over 150 years ago. It's grand, Peter. Just relax, pal. Everything is going to come up roses. Be sure of it. Peter knows he shouldn't go to the pub or the corner store for a half bottle of something hard. He knows alcohol is not the answer to his problems, but wandering aimlessly is the pits, and wouldn't an ice Cold beer or strong peaty whiskey be just the trick to fixing all this? No, Peter. No, it will not. So he walks around past his local and the corner store owned by that nice Muslim family, avoiding the urge to get blind drunk, praying that some inspiration comes to him. He does not want to stay inside all day in his flat, but he also does not want to walk around purposeless. God save him. He stops walking when he sees an abandoned building site. A crane. Did people ever think metal cranes to be robots? They kind of are, he realizes. No one is working at this building site. Maybe they were also fired. Not fired. Just put on administrative leave, slowly to be replaced by robots. No, wait, the term his area manager used was artificial intelligence. His God-given intelligence was no match for the artificial, the manufactured, the robotic. He thinks twice before deciding that hopping over the fence and taking a crowbar to the crane is not the best way to handle his frustrations. He decides to head toward the park. The park might have some actual life in it, and the rain looks long gone. Like his job, he jokes with himself. It is just a wee park not far from his flat. It is pretty trees and nice manicured lawns and is a respite from the obvious signs of a city life and technology. Fresh air and nature will be good for his tired soul. Soundavig. Unassuming Ashigan Kodich fade out in our cruiser's rear view holograph. As voyaging dragliners reach deepest apogees, formations appear from Damovian clouds. Launchpad breezes caress our hair as if ancestors kiss gentle emigre. Above, her orbital rigor cries, fair winds, fair winds, mamma real. Wi-Fi passwords for his typewriter. January 2019, 
Treats by Sheila Scott Every morning, before leaving the house, he would carefully select the pieces of himself that best fit the day ahead. He imagined each fragment having a face, a theme or vista and pasted them one upon the other until the patchwork of characteristics became a whole person. After inspecting the finished product in the hallway mirror, he would open the door and pass into the world. The collage changed every day. If challenges lay ahead, he would create a foundation of previously perceived transgressions and overlay various remembrances that demonstrated his defiance or valour to complete the carapace. In contrast, when he was meeting her, fond memories from his childhood would nestle alongside innocence and awe, a carefully cultivated ingenue cocktail. They would meld with images of lovers, couples, of bonding and bondage. Ordinary days required a jumble of unconnected philosophies, transecting black humour and stoicism to leaven the tedium. He had vowed to himself he would never again lift from the trunk of images let loose the day of the incident. The essences from that time were too blood-soaked and scared him. If one slipped on by mistake, he would affix layer upon layer of benign attributes until it was obscured. Not even a serration or white border would be left visible. But not today. That little shit at the centre had been asking for it for weeks, goading and denigrating him, peeling off the good, one coat at a time, with every strike. Today he would don every damaged and dangerous aspect he held, arranged so the edges blended perfectly and allowed the poison to flow up and out with ease. He opened the lid. Book one, 1931 to 53. Open quotes. I suspect a great deal of his poetry is unacknowledged quotation. Someday this will all have to be sorted out. Close quotes. Edwin Morgan, letter to Hamish Henderson, 13th of February, 1965. Hamish Henderson Archive, Box 18, Folder 5, University of Edinburgh. Rearranged 1937, i.e. collected from various small jotters. Suggests assumed readership. Animals in legend, animals in art. On Babylonian mathematics, mythical 150-year-old man. Text over image. As a baby, EM 1921. At 13, 14, EM 1934. Dretching of Sweven's abstract pattern in the gap. Paul Clay, Ball and Doll. One of nature's freaks, the fairy swallow with wings growing from its feet, also with wings, a cat, 
Evening News, 2nd of July, 1939, a boyish fascination with the outlandish. Thus what thou desirest and what thou fearest alike destroys all hope of refuge, but thou wilt never more appear folded within my hemisphere, Bishop of Chichester, etc. around central image of Virgin Mary encircled by angels, a dove above her head, mountains more poetry. I have seen them riding seaward on the waves, combing the white hair of the waves blown back. I knew a wealthy baronet who loathed to play the clarinet. Cut up, bruised but not broken, dismayed yet not despairing, hunting yet not fainting, stoned yet never slain, puppets on the end of a string, ants scurrying along a trail, call them what you will. Tiffinar script, Musée de l'Homme, Paris, fairies and Ireland, scented saddle horses for hire. Early pages, cuttings of poetry aligned page around edge of framing central image. The relationship between words and text is complementary, though the logical links between them are more surrealist than the Virgin Mary. Modernist OAP home annotated. The Old Age Pensions Institute in Prague by Havlicek and Honzik, 1934, approached from the centre of the city on underside of folded painting of boat, Lisola di San Giorgio by F. Guardi, Venice, Galleria dell'Accademia, Venetian School. An elementary school at Villejeur for suburb of Paris by André Lercat, 1932. Constructivist in design, unfolded underside the burial of St. Francis by Giotto, 1267 to 1337. Church of Santa Croce, Florence, signed underneath by Morgan, Italia, June, 1938. Left-hand side landscape oriented flaps. Right, an article from the Bulletin, 15th of September, 1934, about use of ultrasound as a weapon and a picture of a baby born with a full head of hair from the Bulletin, 15th of June, 1936. Left, an image from the Bulletin, 30th of May, 1935, sandstone slabs measuring three feet in length with raised hieroglyphics discovered on the farm of Garth, Harray, Orkney. Poems, images, cuttings, frame, form around central, cutting, folded picture, e.g. Cummings. Below the Guardi and an image annotated by Morgan, Eggs of Mantis, Women's Journal, February 1938, flanked by Bartholomew, Griffin and Joyce. Image of High Point Flats, Highgate, London by Tecton Group, 1935, next to Pevner's constructive composition above African statue and Ostian 4th century marble. Page facing page, paintings of birds, squirrels, Xien Huan, Wang Yuan, Pimo Tuberculosis Sanatorium, Finland, Alvar Alto, 1932. Next, Morgan's mosaic designs, three African busts. Egyptian hieroglyphics, daughter of King Ikhanaten, next Prio's doorway, Ely Cathedral. Whole transcribed passages, water, elaborate candlestick, colour, painting, signed EGM. Similar lavish mosaic style images, 1932, 1934. Symmetrical tile designs. Morgan's parents wanted him to become a carpet designer. Damn hand. The house has four exterior walls. Two families live inside. She lays in her bed listening to the sound of sex. Days after, she had taken off her scarf, 
folded it neatly, left it in her drawer. The scent of perfume as described in a story she once read. Alexandria before the war, falcons without their eyelids sewn shut, roosting high in the eaves of a shattered castle. Stone floor steeped in guano, roiling scent of tobacco and rose water, mirrors. She swears and her hand slaps her face. Damn hand, she says, and the hand hits her again. Haunted by that perfume. The hands are eyes. The sense of smell is very acute. One can hear anything in the land of the blind. Yet nothing is coalesced via sight into existence. Her own hand unbuttoning her shirt. The doctor tells her to stop. Stop what, she asks, as her hand unhooks another button. Stop that right now, the doctor shouts. Her breasts lean out of their bra. Her hand lifts one out, holding up the nipple. The doctor, who had just hours before had his hands inside of her head, literally inside, with the wet fissures of her brain spongy beneath the latex sheathing his fingertip, turns to the nurse, reddened. Nothing is coalesced via sight into non-existence. She lays in bed listening to the silence of the house. Where has the other family gone? Where has her family gone? She cannot remember their names. Their faces are indistinct. Darkness begins to leak across the blade of her perception. The name of the perfume, the color and shape of the bottle's crystal, the mechanism by which scent was released from the bottle, the flowers and the perfume. Shall we repeat them? Rose, jasmine, lily. Rose, jasmine, lily. Rose, jasmine. The effect the scent had on those around her, the emotions the perfume stimulated in her, the way the perfume was still on her skin the next morning, on her damn hand, she says, and the hand hits her again. Learn to be more aggressive, but I want to be more assertive. The doctor splashes water on his face. He can still see the two halves of her brain glistening in the trauma light of the theater. He slices the tissue connecting the two halves, easy as slicing ripe peach. No one is turning on the tap. No one is easing a knife gently into the perfumed skin at the nape. No one is sewing the child's eyelids shut. No one is pressing their hand over her lips. No one is tossing the polystyrene cup out of the window. A car engine revs. She can feel the pedal beneath her feet. She lays in bed smelling diesel fumes, the rough pelt of the car seat's fabric against the skin on the back of her naked thigh. Every night I lie down in my bed and close my eyes. Something happens for a number of hours. Then I open my eyes. When do the seizures begin? It's hard to say. It's subtle 
like dreaming, you might call it shiny or a metallic taste, like the skin of a beetle. Lately, she's been dreaming of a house with no one in it, high on a hill with gleaming wooden floors. It's quiet there, and through open windows and doors, dust blows in and out with the wind. When I think of my body, I want to get the beetle out of the way, as I'd like to get the eye out. I mean, who wants a beetle in their body, or the kind of pain a beetle might cause? I don't mean to suggest that a beetle is always going to cause pain. Some beetles might cause pleasure, even some pain might cause pleasure. Take the strange red mark that appeared on my neck earlier today. Who made that mark? Was it me? Was it this hand? The light that inhabits the house, the perfume bottle tipped over, spilling its scent onto the table, a radiation of scent, rose, jasmine, lily, molecule by molecule, atom by atom, vibrating, Is it true that we come alive, not once, but many times? Edwin Morgan, poem by Russell Jones. As your body proves its shift in a dust of hair, a grain of skin, you might be new, not human, not sleek velvet lining or dirt and footsteps on your lawn, a wave of jigsaws on the carpet but an endless amalgamation. On the way to school, your soul bends. On the road to work, your head bends. On love, you bend. This is where life ends and begins, where we hold hands and come alive, not once, but many times. Gaze by Russell Jones. In a glance, the night sky recalls the bright sparks that began our planet's overture. Diamonds veined through the earth, blue cheese, a marbled floor, volcanic coughs and iron birds, a declining sundial, the supernova that birthed bright pearls of human song but it surrenders nothing that is not earned. Rome rises, swords charge, a leech suckles, a bed of periwinkles multiplies, an ape stands for the first time and walks. A no-slim telescope will show it all. Two eyes cannot see a million others. One man cannot have a million lovers, as one flower does not aspire to be a meadow. Accident on West Preston Street. Oh, how easily it had happened. After a hundred tiny decisions, he cycled through tunnels of fumes along corridors between tenements, 
cobbled streets holed by meteorites, slammed into someone's car, strangers ran towards him. Within minutes, they'd all gone. He slumped against a wall as if he'd fallen from the tail of a comet, letting the taillights pass him by. How good it was to stop. Never again did he want to pass himself going backwards into the path of all those satellites wrapped in fluorescent yellow, like a ghost, not a god after all, something transiting in between, an ordinary being. Clasping his bike like a crutch, he limped off, wiping his eyes with the back of his hand, sighing as only those who have come close to reeling off their axis can. Scrappy questions. One, from the OED, a blank book in which pictures, newspaper cuttings and the like are pasted for preservation. Hence, occasionally is the title of a printed book of miscellaneous contents. I wonder, would Morgan feel that he began his scrapbooks with the blank page or with the pictures, newspaper cuttings and the like? Surely, the book of pages can't remain blank and be a scrapbook. I think I am quibbling here and misleading us all on why definitions can be critical. Matters become more urgent when we note, reading on with enthusiasm and eerie, that the term has a secondary meaning that is attributive, as in Henry James' novel The Spoils of Poynton trumpery ornament and scrapbook art. If this statement scornfully dismisses the collage of the scrapbook, then we may view Morgan's scrapbooks as an invitation to challenge Henry James or the speaker in his novel. From there, we want to celebrate scrapbooks in general. Done. Two. Scrapbook is also a verb meaning to place in a scrapbook. Perhaps the phrase scrap that develops from the scrapbook. I haven't checked, so the connection remains conjecture. And again, my question is about the blank page and its subsequent contents. Scrapbooking as a verb also leads me to think about Colin Hurd and speculative books' invitation to get sticky with it. 3. Some major scrapbooks are William Blake's notebook known as the Rossetti Manuscript, Walter Benjamin Arcade's project. The OED clearly states sticking is its sticking point. Strictly speaking, there is no sticking in Blake's, but let's just be fast and loose. Both Blake and Benjamin's work include an improvingly healthy mix of image and text. They demonstrate its enlightening, unexpected juxtapositions. Morgan was always and afterwards joining the party. The next task is to start making our own individual canons of the scrapbook in the scrapbook form. My favourite contemporary example is rarely associated with Benjamin Blake or Morgan and Carson Snox, 2009, is an elegy for her brother. Scrapbooking is an art for every day. Like Morgan, Carson adds paintings and sticks in photos over time. I hope to hear soon about more scrappy canons. Morgan, Benjamin, Carson and Blake will have a place in the scrapbook I am making. 4. One of Morgan's rearrangements catches my attention, almost as if his books had been right in front of us this whole time. On the cover of one scrapbook, 
a newspaper cutting in the top left-hand corner asks, Where were you in 1944? To the right is an ancient Greek or Roman sculpture, I don't know which. Beneath the question is an image detailing a landscape of the heart. Then there is a much larger landscape filling the page. In 1944, Morgan was engaged in military service, part of a unit stationed in Sidon, Lebanon. Later, the unit moved to Haifa, Palestine. See James McGonagall's biography of 2012. At this time, as McGonagall reflects, Morgan likely learned about his own queerness. He seems to reflect on the combination of silence and intimacy from those years in Love and a Life a book of 50 elegiac poems written in the second half of 2012. Morgan addressed these words to a friend, his closest companion that burning year on the Lebanese coast. Nothing happened between us, and that might seem a boast, since there is pain in silence. But I never deserted the post of our vibrant daily intimacies, even if the best and worst tore me for all to see, eyes down in decency. Is this relevant to Morgan's decision to cut out the question, where were you in 1944? In which year did Morgan find and cut out this question? This approach to Morgan's question may miss the ludic and surreal form of his collage. Is it sensible to think of it as autobiographical? If there is a self-portrayal in Morgan's scrapbook, is it about his individual Selection, is it a historical record of Morgan's imaginative attention to material found and then reorganised? I suggest this view does not exclude attention to Morgan's own difficulties in 1944. 5. Even if it doesn't answer the question about the organisation of the scrapbook, we need to contrast Morgan's method to the transitive verb to commonplace to extract commonplaces from, to arrange under or to reduce to general heads, to enter in a commonplace book. I text a friend, Morgan is obviously not commonplace. They reply, what is the relation of the scrapbook to the commonplace book? I consult the OED, a book in which commonplaces or passages important for reference were collected usually under general heads, hence, a book in which one records passages or matters to be especially remembered or referred to with or without arrangement. I want us, if I may, to make sense of this by thinking that to be categorised as commonplaces, there must be general agreement on the entry in question's significance. Morgan's scrapbooks as surreal collage make us forget this general significance, only to offer new general significances. As a last thought, I would suggest commonplace books might now be a rare, archaic form. Who even needs to get excited by such memory games? Or will we need to recover this art form? To put it crudely, the internet has replaced the individual's need for the commonplace book. Or, to put it differently, intellectual structures are now dynamic and just plain messy. We will have more time for our scrapbooks because of the internet. I am still unsure about this... But, as I glance at Twitter, I think that maybe its odd arrangement of heterogeneous text and image is a little like Morgan's scrapbooks. Clearly, similarity is not causation, and I'm clearly too tired to think straight. But I will conclude that Morgan's scrapbooks definitely, therefore, anticipate and cause the internet.
let's be kind about the bird. I have kept tickets to all the places I haven't been. Glory, strawberries and sugar. From an old poem about whole books of them and faces. Sugar, strawberries and glory. Of all the people I haven't met. God in his archways with his archangels. Some laughing, some screaming. So beautiful. Photos of monuments that don't exist. I cut them into pieces. I have visited them all without leaving my bed. I always preferred your handwriting to mine. The shape of your outfits you make yourself. Sense is a composite thing and erotic. The way you wash your feet before you sleep. Hi, my name is Maria Sledmia and I'm going to read two poems for you. Nebula in Andromeda. Numbness, she thought, there was no world, any more than fish. She with her limbs so bitten, joining the colony with light years, worn on a sleevelessness. She would spiral, it was her drinking, such burial mass, the solar trillions. To kiss would be a lower estimate, the expectation of future collision, a visible nudity glued to the pawns of the sea. Let them nibble the pith of your future scenes. Her eyes, her eyes, are only the wind's curriculum lashing an endless movie. The eidetic memory of bleaching the fuck of gorgonians and damsels, bringing us all to pause at the axis. Absolute magnitude in the blue of knowledge she quiesces, to feel this backwards as dark matter clustered to halo. My heart is a starfish opening nova so close to a very strong nothing, becoming more nothing. I want to love her. Eccentric Orbit Such veils and lapis, the future of anyone's left. I want to get red, and I get so red, I stick it to anyone's cosmos. How much debt is the sum of our oldest waste, crepuscular tin can string of a song. We call it a matter of matter itself, the attraction of cats to dogs, a diatom symmetry upwards floats. There is a claim and a lonely December cloaked in blue. How could you ring up the air's dissertation and order food for Leviathan, chancing the calorific value of paragraphs? This serotonin juices to chronic a silver of thought at any age. Mental, the lyrical health foundation lacks an eye. My starry tendency to pick at the earth's psoriasis, my leisurely winter. I ate those flakes of such red as to populate SSRIs with humorous chemistry, a listening commitment, no alternative, pulling each sleep around the possible space, our corners torn. Translating by Machine Electronic computing machines, electronic computing devices, electronic computer equipment, said Dr. Magnus Pike in an interview for the third programme, said Doctor in the third programme of the programme, Magnus Pike. Doctor in an interview for the third programme, Magnus Pike. Or this interview with a third programme. 
Magnus Pike can look at as many facts in their memory as their designers want to put them in. Magnus Pike can analyse so many facts from your memory that your designers want to enter. Magnus Pike can analyse so many facts from this memory that his designers want to enter. To resolve many of the memory want to go and get pregnant. Third Doctor, the Magnus Pike computer program. The third Magnus Pike computer program. The third computer program, Magnus Pike. Electronic computers, electronic computers, doctor computers, doctor electronic, doctor electronic computers, doctor, doctor, doctor. So far, no electronic computer has been given the task of translating the written or spoken language into another. These facts then appear in response to a default sign. No electronic computer was responsible for translating. These facts appear in response to a standard signal. To date, no electronic computer has to pay for translating a written or spoken language. These facts appear in response to a standard signal. To date, no electronic computer has the cost of translating. These facts are later shown in response to a predetermined mark. To date, no electronic computer is charged for translating. The signal was given these things bowed the knee. These proceedings will be announced in response to the caution. This process will be announced later as a precaution. This process is later announced as a precautionary measure. This procedure is subsequently announced. This procedure is then announced as a precautionary measure. Electronic computing machines, electronic calculators, electronic computer technology, electronic wants to calculate. When the signal was given to correct an error or neglect, the correct answer was taken. There is no chance of making mistakes, being late or being late. The error was not safe, then it is possible. When the given signal line, the correct answer is, there is no possibility of error, forgetting or delay. When the correct signal is given, an appropriate response occurs. There is no possibility of failure, forgetting or delay. Failure, forgetfulness and delay are not possible. Error, delay and delay cannot be done. Error, replacement or delay is possible. Errors, delays and delays cannot be fulfilled. Errors, delays and delays cannot be resolved. Errors, delays and delays cannot be solved. Error, oblivion or delay. There is no mistake, no forgetting or no delay. There are no mistakes, neglect or delays. There is no mistake, forget or delay. There are your designers. There is the third Magnus Pike computer program wants to calculate their memory, this memory, your memory. There is no mistake. A tree, stark and naked against the shivering sky. The hand, that finger, points to desolation. Have the gypsies been buried alive yet? Have bulldozers pushed enough bodies into mass graves? Does this amount to arson, for the Lord's sake? The motionless isle of death. What's happened to all the flying saucers? Have the Martians joined the peace talks? What use? What use is patience forced out in such a sigh?
Black and white pictures of statues. One, three priests. Backs against the wall, hanging out with mates like brothers in matching kit. They stand tall. Out in any weather, they know the rules. Forever spouting the same old tired old. Preaching from their high perch, like their fathers and their fathers' fathers long before that. Two, Madonna with child. She's in the next picture, always indoors. Her hands are full, juggling expectations. And the child she holds, he's just a baby. In his palm is placed a ball carved from stone, which will never bounce, although the world will continue to turn forever and ever. Hello everyone, my name is Ian McCartney, I'm a writer and I just want to start off by thanking Speculative Books for publishing my piece Askinaut, etc. Not to be confused for Astronauts, etc. The indie pop project of Anthony Ferraro. My poems, it, it's sort of a, a concrete visual thing, so there's not actually that many words in it, which... So if I was going to just read it out like that, um, it'd be over very quickly. Um, so I'm going to try and get the visual weirdness across um, by pressing buttons on a bunch of synths in the background, which will then make woobly-woobly-wah-wah noises. Um, and then hopefully that's interesting. So thank you again for publishing me and having me do this. We were lost to the outer scent reaches. We went in search 
and found only ourselves to blame. Now that we exist outside the cathedrals, now that it exists, we let soft words wander in guise of each other's otherness. Both compose and it shifts from classical to the atomic age. Two brains, one vein, filter, iron curtains, flutter through the subatomic webs. They exist as secretal silk threads, sonorous and tre, tre, tranquil. The memories of what never is clearing violet in musical descent. Est-ce que c'est synthétique? Est-ce que c'est bon? Est-ce son? The man who took print of flies' feet fleets seeks atonement. It sees everything after the mother. Scrap books, but I do not exist within it. There is no time or space or time or space or time or space, etc. Playlist. Time after time. CL. Split. JA. Do androids dream of electric sheep? Audiobook Oxygen equals O question mark R equals question mark To which God towards whom this strive locked chest Mother is this traduction if Google doesn't Reference, Shetlandic Poet, page, verse. It's wonderful to be involved with this centenary anthology. Like everybody, I think Morgan's a very important poet. He's also a lot of fun, and I try to capture that. My submission is a scrapbook page. Snippets and small poems around a daily commute. Something from the distant past. Do you remember those days? Campsy Hills snow dusted. Catherine Jamie on the radio. Poached eggs on toast. The bus rockets motorwaying into town. Suburbs sleep on. Deer tiptoe, quiet, buzzards on fence posts. Glowering sky, packed bus, cosy, safe inside. Dreek folk, all gang him. Knackered workers slip off their burdens, dirk thoughts. A lad kick, kick, kicks the seat in front of him. Bang, kick, bang, thump, kick. He's hot.
humming along with his phone, fingers dancing, text his pals. Neon gutties beat tattoos on the seat. He's on noise, all a rammy in an empty. Popping, jumping, laughing at the old woman, moaning and tartin, tight buttoned, sore faced. At the shopping centre, he's up, ting, ting, tings the bell, and aff. The bus, sealant, deed space. Aye, my birthday. Aye, floors. Aye, regions. For a little. Nay ice cream, but nay chocolates. Floors. Paper folded neat on seat. Still warm. Paper, not seat. Crossword incomplete. Trial words scribbled and scored between adverts for slippers. Gifts. <laughs>